It is very young. In Rhode Island, for a long time, the big names were Brad Fax, Billy Andre, the Quigleys. But now there are a ton of young players. That was Joe McDonald, the director of communications at Rhode Island Golf Association. He's today's guest on the On Course podcast. Welcome to the On Course podcast presented by New England Golf Journal. I am Sean Melia. I've got my co-host, Jim McCabe, next to me. Jim, how you doing? All good. Very good. We're going we're gonna to start today talking about golfers that we admired when we were kids, coming of age. I don't want to age you or date you too much, Jim. So <laughs> I'll do it. I wanna, I, I, so I just, the PGA Championship's going on right now as we're recording this, and I was just kind of watching a lot of the golf yesterday, the first round. And I just figured, like, who, who thinking about players that I liked, players that now, you know, watching Phil Mickelson, guys that I don't particularly like or rooted, didn't really love when they won. And I thought, I'm going to ask Jim about his favorite golfers when he was when he was growing up or guys that he just admired from, from maybe back in the day. It, it might rub a, some of my friends the wrong way, but there was only one guy that I, I it was Seve. Seve Ballesteros, and the reason was he was so mysterious. He was from Spain. He was yeah. from Europe. He played the, the European tour. There was no golf channel. There was no wake up on Saturday morning and watch golf. There right. was none of that. Right. I sort of break the news to some people. <laughs> so I read about him, and I read Peter Doberein, a great writer from overseas, would write these dashing stories about this guy by by Asteros. And then he came over in the mid-70s, and he, all of a sudden he's, he is, he's dashing. Yep. He was the epitome of dashing. And it was the way he played, and he just fearless, and he could hit any shot because nothing scared him. And I thought that was the way... If you could, you'd want to play his way. Fairways and greens, yeah, that's cool. But (laughs) if you can play the way this guy does. Yeah. And I remember watching the British Open when he came of age. Johnny Miller won the tournament. Yep. But it was Seve that kind of stole the show. I think it was at Burkdale. And you go back. I, I would invite anyone to go back and look at YouTube of the shot making that Biaseros did and... Then he won. Then he won the Masters. He won it again. He won the the Open Championship. And yeah, he was he was the guy that I really just I couldn't get enough of him. I mean, he won six majors. Six majors, which is kind of like him and Faldo were have six. Phil Mickelson has six. They're they're kind of this little cadre of of guys who are going to live live forever because of the majors that they won. Faldo was a robot, and Seve was definitely not a robot. And, no. And he was, like, the clips of him, and YouTube has a bunch of good stuff. You can watch almost like a, a U.S. Opens, and the, yeah. and the Masters has everything they've ever televised. You can just go watch him, watch Seve play the Masters. No, and he, shots from he all just, over the golf course. He, yeah, he, what he could do and the vision he had and the imagination he had. And, you know, he... he did not need 60-degree wedges, and he didn't need <laughs> this stuff because he could he could pick a ball clean with the 5-iron from 40 yards off the green and just spin it up. He could do things that no one to this day still plays the way he plays. Is there anyone who kind of maybe gives you some Seve vibes who plays now? A lot of people like to 
Jordan Spieth jo- is one. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan doesn't have the dash in this. I mean, yeah. Jordan's fun to watch, yeah. but he's aggravating too. Like even <laughs> even the like, uh, all right, enough, Jordan. Make the shot. You're gonna make a great shot. Yeah, yeah. He uh, probably the escape, the the Houdini like, it would be Jordan. Yeah. And then the Ryder Cup, like he was, you're an American and Seve was, so was there just three days a year or three days every two years where Seve was the enemy or were you secretly just rooting for him? No, 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 don't hold it against me, but I would always root for Europe to really compete and and and, and I just wanted to see them compete because they, they had all these guys you never heard of, Peter Baker. Peter Baker, the birdie maker, and you're like, <laughs> who is this guy? And Eamon Darcy, and the uh, forever, I'll, I'll, I was glued to the TV watching because I'm Irish and of uh, Irish descent, and 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 to see Christy O'Connor yeah. Jr. hit that shot, yep, at the Belfry into the 18th hole to beat Freddie Couples. I know, I know, everyone's America. Who's Christy O'Connor. Christy O'Connor Jr. Yeah. Like, and his, well, his uncle is himself, and who's himself? And <laughs> I, I, we're not going to go into that if you don't know Christy O'Connor Sr. So I do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christy O'Connor Sr. I was legendary. Yeah. I used to love those stories. Now, it, now the world's small. We kind of know all these things about people, yeah. but I, I learned about these players through books and magazines. Yeah. There was no internet. Yeah, uh, and to read about Christy O'Connor Senior, I just always remember asking Ben Crenshaw. I couldn't wait to talk to Ben Crenshaw, and the only question I want to ask him is that a true story? And he knew exactly what he was talking about because true story. He met Christy O'Connor Senior and took a, took aim at a one fifty flag and hit it, basically hit. Every shot in the bag, 100, including the putter, yeah. 150 yards. Oh, that's amazing. And Ben Crenshaw said, true story. Wow. He, uh, my one, I did a little research. I, I, I learned about him just looking at looking at Ryder Cup stuff. Chrissy O'Connor Sr., back when he played in the Ryder Cup in like the, that was in the 50s, they Probably, played yeah. 36 whole matches in the singles back then. Yeah. And after 18 holes, he went into the pro shop and changed putters because he was so disgusted with how he played yeah. it. Got a new putter, and I believe he won his his singles match. The, the European team, or the GBNI team at that point, got got wrecked, but uh, that yeah, guy was did. a legend. <laughs> that guy was a legend. Yeah, I, that's interesting just hearing you. The the mystery of those players, the European players, has always yeah. been, we don't have that anymore. I think Sergio, that, that line, maybe Sergio is the first one that, was super young, who everyone kind of knew. He played in the PJ Championship in '99 and yeah. kind of battled Tiger, he, he, and like that. That might have been the he might have been the first European that came along that everyone was like Westwood maybe as well. But those guys before '95 were were pretty mysterious. And no, they certainly, were. They, you kind of knew Sam Torrance. You knew a little bit about them, but you know you would see them. We weren't watching. They weren't televising the British Open four days. Yeah, right. It, where they would show it, and they used to. I mean, when I was a kid, this is how old I am. I'm sorry. It used to end on Saturday, and they they did not play on Sunday. Yeah, you I know. know so you didn't you didn't see you just never saw these guys. You heard about them. You right. read about them. Right. Well, Sevy. Okay, that's a great answer. Let's let's bring in Joe McDonald from the Rhode Island Golf Association to chat about his new job and uh, in Rhode Island golf. 
I want to welcome in Joe McDonald, the Director of Communications at Rhode Island Golf Association. Joe, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. You, you are new on this job. Before we hit record here, you were just saying you were out at Ledgemont painting the golf course. And even I had to ask you, what are you talking about? I wasn't sure if you're getting into the clubhouse painting scene as well. So this is a very new job for you. You started in February. What's kind of, what's it been like just getting, moving from newspaper work, writing about hockey and other sports to suddenly being thrust into the Rhode Island golf scene and, and director of communications for the association? Sean, it's been fantastic. These guys, the Rhode Golf Association, have been doing this for a long, long time. Bob Ward, the executive director, and Jim McKenna who runs tournaments for us. And then I show up and with my background, as you said, I, I've been basically writing about hockey and baseball for 30 plus years. And all of a sudden I'm in the golf industry and I've been playing golf since I was a kid, but all I did was show up, hit a little white ball and as an adult, having a few libations afterwards and that was it. So I've, I've been on a crash course of learning the golf industry in the last few months and it's been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. And you're right. I was at Ledgemont this morning painting the course. And when they asked me to do it a few weeks ago for another tournament, I'm like, what do you mean painting a court? What are you talking about? Like, we got to paint it green? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, that's out of bounds and the red lines, the yellow lines, the white lines, all that good stuff. But it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. Put it this way. I have a, an entirely new appreciation for anyone who works in the golf business because it's, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that no one knows about. <laughs> so it's been great. And on the other side of it, I still get to write about local golf here in Rhode Island, which Oddly enough, is how I started my career at the Providence Journal back in the mid-90s, covering local golf with Paul Kenyon, who's Jim knows, and yeah. you know, just, a le just a legend around this part, and was a huge mentor of mine. So he's excited for me, for me to, to have this new position with the RIGA. So it's been great so far. Yeah, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be really cool for you because, well, if for the most part, you, you have to know all these guys that you're, you're showing up at tournaments, different role, but still it's got to be a seamless transition in a lot it's of ways. It's funny, Jim. It's funny, Jim, because a lot of Rhode Island's such a small place and everybody knows everyone. And especially in the hockey world, a lot of hockey people play golf because they have the summers off, right? right. Whether they're players, coaches, whatever. So a lot of these guys play in our, our weekly tour, our weekly tournaments or or a major tournaments and they'll show up to the first tee and I'm standing there and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I know the Bruins, I know the Bruins are out, but are you supposed to be like covering hockey someplace? And it's like, nope, this is what I'm doing now. So it's, it has, it's been great. Just being on the golf course and seeing all these guys and, and reconnecting with a lot of them. Right. And I haven't seen it in a long time. It's been a lot of fun. Good for you. What uh, you, you mentioned kind of the appreciation for things going on behind the scenes. Obviously golf tournaments are can be unwieldy. They're in an open space where you're getting 100, 100, 150 people maybe together to, to play. What, what for you would you want to shine a light on as far as like, this is, a, this is a thing no one really knows about when a golf tournament is kind of getting underway or the moving pieces behind the scenes? What's, what's one thing you thought like, oh, this is crazy? Well, I'm a member at Kirkbury Country Club in, in Lincoln, Rhode Island. And anytime there's a tournament that would come up, you would email the pro or the assistant pro and and just say, hey, my tea time is at such and such a time. Is there any way you can move that back or move it up? And when you're thinking that it's it's really no big deal, but you're you're right, Sean. I mean, these guys 
And at Kirkbury, we have Jason Howard, who's, who's a fantastic pro. And, and it, you would think that, oh, yeah, it's really no big deal. But you're right. Like, they're getting calls from 144, 150 guys, emails. And that's the one thing that you think you leave the office or you leave the golf course and you get emails, you got texts really late at night, really early in the morning. Hey, we need a substitution for Monday's weekly or my score was wrong. Can you fix it? So that part of, of the golf world has been a kind of eye opening that exactly how busy these guys are, not guys, but these people are in the golf world. And it's just, it's been a little to get used to, but for the most part, all the golfers that we deal with here in Rhode Island are just fantastic people. And they just want to go out and have a good time in the golf course. But every once in a while, after a long day, when you get a text or an email saying, hey, my score is wrong, or can you update this? It's a, can I wait till the morning? I mean, it's really no big deal here. But, but for the most part, it's been great. You have busy schedule. I mean, there's really no break from, I mean, we can't space these tournaments out over 12 months like Georgia and South Carolina and California. You're jam-packing, I don't know how many championships plus qualifiers. And I would imagine the golfers down there would like to see you do even put on more tournaments for them. Exactly. And it's such a short window for the golf season up in the Northeast, right, Jim? And, yeah. and with, with the Rhode Island Golf Association, we're lucky that we have, I believe we have 54 member clubs here in Rhode Island, and, and they're all great to deal with. And then the issues that you run into is the weather. So the first week of our season, I, I think we had five events postponed because of the rain. And some golfers don't understand, well, it, it was nice last night or it's nice this morning. Well, we also had four inches of rain over the weekend and the golf courses are just right. saturated. And we're not going to put 144 golfers and golf carts out on a, on a, on a course and possibly do some damage to it. And, We'll have to postpone maybe until the fall. So that has been a challenge for us so far, losing a few of one of our majors and then a lot, I think four or five weeklies that we have. So it's been a little difficult with the weather, but the last couple of weeks have been great. And, you know, now, but you're right. We had the U.S. Open qualifier at Kirkbrae Country Club on Tuesday, and that was a lot of fun. I've covered some major golf tournaments during my career, but to see these amateurs out there trying to vie for a position to advance in the U.S. Open qualifying was was pretty cool. And that was that was a moment where I was like, I'm glad I made this decision to yeah. to switch Good. over to, to the golf world because it's been that was pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, there's those moments in really any sport where you get like that those the democratic moments in the sport, right? Where it's like, oh man, anyone can do this, and there's an opportunity. And the U.S. Open is for me the pinnacle of that, not only in golf, but I think in a lot of sports. And you wrote a great story. I was going to ask you about it later, but you mentioned, you mentioned the, the Kirk Bray qualifier. Tom McCormick was just a really, was a, I read that art story you wrote. I lost his mom last month, has kind of had a, a, a crazy last, I think he had a kid, lost his mother, lost his dog, just all the, and, and he wasn't sure he was going to play. And then he plays and he gets one of the five spots. And on June 5th, He'll be part of one of the greatest days, I think, in golf when guys tee up, play 36 holes, and try to qualify for the U.S. Open at LACC. That was one of that was just a really nice story to kind of highlight what the game means and and how it can help heal people and and give people an opportunity to play with the best players in the world. 
Yeah, thanks, Sean. Tommy McCormick is such a, a wonderful person. He's been part of the Rhode Island golf scene since he was a kid. He won the junior amateur here in Rhode Island. He's been a part of a lot of major tournaments, and he's just such a nice guy. It backing up a little bit, he actually lost his dad when he was a teenager right before he won the junior amateur here in, in Rhode Island, and, and now as an adult, as you mentioned, his mom, unfortunately, had a, a brief uh, battle with, with skin cancer, and she did pass away in April. And he was, he was going to, as he described it, hunt on this golf season. He just had his, his first child. He had, has a daughter. His dog passed away. He's, he's a big dog guy as well. And a lot of his friends that, that he's close with basically said, and I, every time I, I tell a story, I get emotional only because I, I lost my mother to cancer a few years ago, more than a few years ago. So I can understand where Tommy's coming from. And his friends convinced him to play and try to qualify. Last year, he made it to the sectionals. Unfortunately, did not advance, but he understands the process. So after that round on Tuesday at Kirkbray, he's walked afterwards. He, he said, I, I almost couldn't finish. I'm walking up the 18th fairway. Uh, I'm thinking about my mother and, and my, I just started to cry. And, and at that point, he still, he, he still needed to, to make par to try to, to stay in the mix. And obviously he did. And he, he, he's been dealing with a lot and he uses golf as kind of that, that outlet. And it would just be a wonderful story if he does get to the sectionals and, and somehow he can just play out of his mind and, and advance to the U.S. Open. I mean, it, I mean, if there's anyone in this golf world who deserves this chance, it's Tommy McCormick. And let's just hope that maybe his mom's looking down on him in a couple of weeks and, and he's able to advance. Yeah, it would be very cool. So there's a, a nice story that you wrote and I think it highlights just so much of what's great about the sport. The, the, this time of year, you, these competitors, a lot of them, but they're coming out, there's more of them every year and they're younger and do you keep, are you able to keep up with it sometimes? Because I'm telling you, I, I just, I read these stories and like, oh my gosh, this kid's only 16 years old. This kid's 17 years old, small state. Everybody doesn't know everybody down there, but you, Rhode Island, you're no different. You're turning out younger and better golfers every year. You're right. It, the one thing that I've learned about coming back into the golf world is that it is young. I mean, it is very young. For, in Rhode Island, for a long time, the big names were Brad Fax and Billy Andre, the Quigleys. But now there are a ton of, of young players, whether it's high school, college. We have Davis Chatfield. You guys know David's kind of a Rhode Island, Massachusetts yeah. kid. It's a blurry line uh, down there you know, sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> we'll, we'll take him. We'll take him away from Massachusetts. Obviously, right now, he's on the Corn Ferry Tour, and I've been talking with him once a week. We're doing a, we call it chatting with Chatty, kind of just the journal of, of what his life is like on the Corn Ferry Tour, and, and he's plugging away. He's, he's got a bright future. And, and certainly, Patrick Welch, another Rhode Island kid who, who is, plays for Oklahoma, and he's heading out to, to compete for a national championship with the Sooners here soon. And we have a lot of other young players in the state from the female side. You have Kylie Eaton, who's been one of the best female golfers in the state for the last couple of years. And she's only a senior in high school. And she's got a bright future ahead of her. And, and you can go down the line, but you're right. I mean, it, it's just, you have, we mentioned Tommy McCormick. I mean, he's not, a, he's not a young guy. He's in his 40s. But Mike Hamilton, he's done very well here in Rhode Island. And he's 
kind of in between. He's not a kid, but he's not too old like like us these days. But there are a lot. There's a lot of talented golfers in Rhode Island, and it's just exciting to see them come through and you know, our events and then move on. Great little story. Billy Andre, we spoke about him earlier. He's being inducted into the Georgia Golf Hall of Fame this weekend. He, even though he's a Rhode Islander, he played golf at Georgia and, and he still lives down there. So he's being inducted into their Hall of Fame. So they reached out to us at the RIGA to see if we had any old articles or old photos from his junior days. So it was great yesterday for me to go through with the scrapbooks and the archives back to the early 80s when Faxon and Andrade were, they were on the scene and, and they were just making Rhode Island golf shine on a national level. And to go back and see those pictures of Billy as a young kid and, and the articles written by Paul Tenyon or Ed Duckworth, Jim Donaldson, it was just great to, to go back and, and see it. But there is a new wave of young golfers coming through the state of Rhode Island and it's just fantastic to see. Kylie's got a sister who's pretty good too. Adriana, Adriana yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's a freshman, really I think, good. Right? I, I should, yeah, I should have mentioned, I should have mentioned her as well. Yeah, yeah. she's, it, it's fun to see them go head to head. And I'm sure, you know, the younger, the younger Eaton always obviously wants to, to beat the oldest sister. So it's going to be fun to see those two compete and, and grow and grow their game and develop into what could be a, a pretty incredible golf career for Baltimore if that's what they want to do. Yeah, it's, uh, I think this year is the first year that Rhode Island's high school tournament is going to be at one site with the boys and the girls playing, um, which is kind of another, I think it's a great thing just to get everyone together in one place because the talent is, I mean, Olivia Williams and Max and Max Jackson are the other two. Jackson, yeah, uh, there are, I'm almost forgetting some because there are so many to mention, but you're right, those two specifically coming up here very soon. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's got a, what, three-peat for the junior am and a three-peat for the high school. He's just, he's like the 80s Lakers. That's a... It's pretty impressive. Yeah. You have only a few weeks away from a, I not a Rhode Island, not an RIGA event, but the Northeast Amateur. It's a, it's a big deal. And it's, what, what's the series, the amateur series? Elite amateur Elite yeah, amateur series. series. That's pretty special when that thing comes to town. It really is. It, it's just, it's one of the best amateur tournaments in the country. And Jim, I know you've been down to cover it. It's at Wanamoyster Country Club and they've hosted for a long time. And you have some of the best amateurs, not only in the country, but from around the world coming into Rumford, Rhode Island, East Providence, Rhode Island to play one of Donald Ross's signature golf courses and the names that come in are just outstanding and, and it's a great week of golf and a lot of golfers in the past have moved on to, to the PGA Tour and, and have had success. So it's great to watch and I'm excited. I've, I've been there before as a fan just to, just to watch. So now that I'm going to be working it, covering it, it's going to be interesting to see these kids these kids, these possible future pros, just getting an opportunity to play in this. And I, I played, I went down to Pinehurst in the fall with some friends just to play a, a few holes down there. And the caddy that we had when he found out that we were from Rhode Island right away, he was like, hey, the Northeast right Amateur. Away, yeah. And so that was down to Pinehurst and these are caddies who, who knew about it. And he had said he wanted, he always wanted to play in it, but he never had the opportunity. So this is our premier event as far as the, the Northeast Amateur, but we, 
the RIGA, we have a lot to do with it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of goes on behind the scenes and getting to know these golfers and just seeing what they do from here for the rest of their career. And we see them on TV when they'd be like, hey, he played a one moist. So yeah, looking forward to it. No question. I mean, every time I see Dustin Johnson, I always remember Dustin <laughs> Johnson played there. Morikawa. Morikawa was there a few yep, years. Justin Sue, who took a few years to get out here on the PGA Tour, he won there. I think Matthew Wolf Matthew played Wolf. there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, every, Peter Uline dominated the, the tournament one year. It's a, it's a, it's a, I tell people all the time, you, you need to get on and take it in one day at least. Yeah, and as part of, this, of the whole Elite Amateur Series now, like it is in a in this world with seven other events, one of them being the the North South at Pinehurst. A lot, I mean, a lot of the those college kids whose summer is packed yeah. pack up their car and head down to Pinehurst right after playing the Northeast to play in the North South and, and and spend another week at Pinehurst playing another awesome course. So like those little ties are really they're gonna I think they're gonna grow stronger. The Northeast Dam is is one of the preeminent amateur events. You said in the country, I would argue. In the world, it's a it yeah, kind of draws, it draws a lot of a lot of great names. And one of them, want to talk about your NHL kind of writing background. I'm gonna I'm gonna transition from an NHL ref in Garrett Rank, who plays golf at a very high amateur level. You kind of written about NHL, the NHL, and and you mentioned they play a lot of golf. And Bobby Orr joked one time, "Well, hockey players are good at golf because they have the summers off. It has nothing else, nothing to do with anything else." Do you have any any stories? Of, of spending time on, on a golf course with some, with some hockey players and, and maybe the good ones and maybe some of the bad ones, no names, if you don't want to. Yeah, you're right, Sean. I, and because, and Bobby R is correct, because these guys have the summers off, they're on the golf course quite a bit. And the majority of the, go- of the NHL players that I've seen on the golf course, whether it was for a charity event or lucky enough to, to maybe play with some of these guys, they're, they're pretty good it's, and they're competitive, no doubt. In the past, I've had, I've had the opportunity to, to play golf with the former Boston Bruins coach, Bruce Cassidy, who's now coaching the Las Vegas Golden Knights in the okay. Western Conference Finals. Yeah, he did okay after leaving Boston, right? Yeah, How about yeah. that? And uh, I'm telling you, Bruce Cassidy, if he wanted to focus on his golf game, he could probably play in the champion store. And I know a lot of people believe that, that, oh, yeah, I could play. No, he could. I mean, wow. he's, he's that good and he's that competitive. So we, we had played around the golf. Unfortunately, after the Bruins lost in 2019 and when he was, when he was working for the Providence Bruins, so he worked for the Providence Bruins for, uh, I believe it was eight years. So he lived in Rhode Island for a long time. Yeah. And because he's a, he's a golf addict, he played a, a lot of courses in Rhode Island. Kirkbury Country Club was one of his favorites. So he would call, call or text every once in a while, or maybe once a summer and, and say, Hey, can I come down and play? And the, and most of the time, or some of the times it was had to do with like a charity event. And so there's one time after the 2019 Stanley Cup finals, you wanted to come down, kind of get away from everything and, and just play golf. And he said, grab a couple guys that, you know, you think would want to play and, and maybe talk hockey and then we'll have some fun. So I had two members who were Bruins season ticket holders. And I said, look, I haven't seen them since they lost. Just, just <laughs> let's not talk hockey. Let's just talk golf. Maybe have a, a libation or two and, and not even worry about it. So he was in the cart with me 
And we get past, we make the turn after nine holes and we were not, we didn't mention hockey one bit. So we stop at the turn, we grab a drink, we go out to the 10th hole, we're waiting a little bit. And he's like, what? Nothing? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, we just spent two hours on the golf course and you had not brought up the Stanley Cup finals at all. Game seven. I don't home. want to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, no, he's like, come on. I'm like, what do you got? And so we just talked about the season and we talked about the finals and, and moving ahead and he can hit a golf ball. And, and as much as we try to keep it under wraps that he was there, we get to the 18th hole and it's a, it's a long plot for heading back to the clubhouse. And, and Kirk Bray, there's a deck right off the back of the clubhouse and you can, it overlooks the golf course. And there's this hill that if you can drive it past the hill, like that's a pretty impressive drive. And he did. And the other member that we were with, who's been a member there for a long, long time, because I've never seen anyone hit a ball past the hill and basically down it. And there were people up on the deck and they were clapping and he's walking down doing this. It's <laughs> fun. And so he's a lot of fun to play golf, golf with. And he lives on the Cape during the summer. And I spoke with him right before the, the playoffs began and just kind of wished him luck in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And he said, hopefully I'm not back on the Cape until July. That means they had a, a run to the Stanley Cup and, with the Golden Knights. So he's, he'll be around Massachusetts and Rhode Island this summer, depending on how long he's going to be here, playing some golf. And it's pretty good. And actually, last summer when the Open was at the country club, I went and I was covering it. And I'm walking along and I just happened to turn and look and, and there's Matt Krizlik, Bruins defenseman. And he, he actually had a Bruins hat on. Like, how often do you actually see a pro <laughs> wearing a hat or a shirt outside of the rink or the field or whatever of the team that he plays for? And he had a Bruins hat on and he had just had shoulder surgery. So he's sitting there in a the cart. People are walking by. They didn't even like recognize him. They didn't even, and I'm like, Grizz, hey, what's going on? How's the shoulder doing? Oh, good. Hopefully he'll be ready for the season. And uh, he's like, just bummed that I can't get out there and play. But there he was just sitting in the middle of the country club watching the U.S. Open and all these people. And he's got, he had a Bruins hat. That's the thing <laughs> yeah. that killed me. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fun to see these guys out in the golf course and outside their element, strong athletes. And a lot of these guys can pop on the ball big time. It, it's almost like he's hiding in plain sight wearing, I've, I've always go through the filter of someone I think like, I think I recognize them. Do they, are they on? some sports team around here and if they're wearing a team like a team hat or a shirt it's like no there's no way that that person is actually affiliated with the team if they're wearing it in public so that's maybe grizz was onto something there just trying to distract from the fact that he is actually a hockey player. <laughs> yeah who who else have you played with you mentioned bruce cassidy what other play i mean i always can remember whether this story happened or not i i'm gonna say it because i always heard <laughs> I believe it was Arizona. Schoenfeld might have been the coach for Arizona, and they weren't playing very well. And Kachuk and I think Ronick was on the team, and they played a lot of golf in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they the team wasn't playing well, and Schoenfeld just like came down on the team and just screams out. And I heard it firsthand, so I I trust the source. Said basically said, "I'll trade your asses to Winnipeg. See how much <laughs> golf you play up there in the winter." And, yeah. uh, but you just know that so, I mean, it, there, there was a time when an athlete playing during the season was foreboding. No, no. Now yep. it's kind of, 
Yes, bring your clubs. You they, the West Coast Swing. I know when they play Anaheim, San Jose, and they go out there and they're playing on the West Coast. They all bring, not all of them, but I know they bring the clubs. Oh yeah, there there have been times when I was traveling with the Bruins, Jim, where going out to Arizona, going out to the West Coast, going to Florida, a lot of these guys, and they would plan it instead of flying in, playing, and then flying out. They would make sure that maybe they had an extra day in these warm climates yeah. so they could play golf. And that happens. Play with like Andy Brickley, Andy and, and Bob Beers, the Bruins, former Bruins and now obviously broadcasters. And you're talking about guys addicted to golf. Like Andy Brickley, first of all, he's a phenomenal golfer at the lefty. And he plays every single day. And it doesn't matter if we're on the road. If we're at home, if it's raining, if it's cold, if he has time to play golf, he will nice. go out and play golf. So we have been on the road in Arizona, in Tampa. Well, there had been, there was one time we played almost 30. We, yeah, I think we did. We played 36 holes one day and it's just, it's a grind with these guys, but they love it because, love it. Hey, you get a chance to go out to Arizona in the middle of the winter and play some golf, like have at it, let's go. And yeah. it's been fun. And, and those guys, they come down to Rhode Island too a lot. And they play, but you're right. If, when we were in Arizona with the Bruins, I think the majority of the guys actually went out and played. And Cassidy and said to him, look, just get away from the game, go out and play, and just have some fun. Just kind of decompress. Don't think about the game. Uh, and at that time, I think this was back, this might have been in 19, where they were kind of struggling a little bit. And it was right after the trade deadline, if I recall. And yeah, because we were in Vegas also. And they, they went out and they they played a, some golf and got it out of this system and they finished the yeah. season strong and they run during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Good run. Before we, before we let you go, Rhode Island has, I think you said 54 golf courses and we, we do a little segment at the end of these podcasts called Golf Course Confidential. And this week we're doing Triggs in Providence and we just try to highlight golf courses where, where are some places, whether it's Rhode Island or that kind of blurry line in, in Southeast uh, Massachusetts that you might, you, you think people should maybe go check out that are public access that, uh, that you know, as the summer ramps up and people are looking for maybe new places to play that you think are worth, uh, worth folks time in Rhode Island. Well, you mentioned Triggs, right? I mean, Triggs is, is a phenomenal golf course and Donald Ross. And the, the thing is when you if you haven't been to Triggs and you're driving through Providence and you're driving through the neighborhoods and you're thinking there can't be a golf course around here, there's just no way. And then all of a sudden you pull up and, and there it is. And it's a, it's a fun course to play, but it's also very difficult. But if I had my choice for a public course in Rhode Island, I grew up in Cranston and I played Cranston Country Club a ton when I was a kid. And, and it's a fun place to play. It's out kind of, well, it used to be in the woods. Now there's all neighborhoods and houses around it. But when I was a kid, it was out in the woods in Western Cranston. And they've made a lot of improvements over the years. And it's just a, it's a really fun course to play. And it's a nice ride through Western Cranston. That would probably be my go-to. If you're looking for more kind of scenic in Rhode Island, Jamestown, it's a nine hole course. It's basically at the base of the Newport Bridge and you have, have views of, of the bridge the entire time you're out there. It's just a lot of fun to play. Probably the, the reason I started my journalism career 
actually, you, you'll have to tell me about what do you think of this lead. The very first story I ever wrote for the Providence Journal was about Foster Country Club. It's way out in Rhode Island. It's on the Rhode Island, Connecticut line. And Paul Kenyon was the one who, who sent me out there to do the story. And basically, that's how my career started, was writing about Foster Country Club. And it's a great little track out in the woods. And I still remember the lead. So you'll have to tell me what you think of this lead. It was, <laughs> it was over the river and through the woods to Foster Country Club we go. There we go. <laughs> How bad is that? <laughs> and it it's... probably took me about two weeks to write that story because I had never written a story before yeah. in my life. I was an EA at the Providence Journal. <laughs> and, now, and now if I had to write that story, it would probably take me a half an hour, right? But, yeah. So those, those are my go-to probably public courses. In Rhode Island, you have Triggs, you have Foster only because of my background within Cranston, Cranston. only because that's yeah, where I grew up in Jamestown, just for the views. So yeah. those would be my go-tos. Four good ones. Wentworth Hills crosses the border, which is kind of a cool, you get, you get a few holes in Rhode Island and a few in Massachusetts, oh, and you get a sign as you, as you cross a, a bridge to play. <laughs> I think it's, there's three holes in Rhode Island. So that's another kind of cool little experience if you're, if you're down in that neck of the woods. Well, Joe, want to thanks for uh, regaling us with some stories and, and sharing a little bit about Rhode Island golf. I would encourage everyone to go and check out the Northeast Dam, which starts June 22nd, I believe, or kind of, I think that's the date. Right after the U.S. Open. Right after the U.S. Yeah. Open. Yeah. And yeah, June 21st to the 24th. Great. Yeah. And so go yep. check out Juana Moisit and, and watch some of the best amateurs in the world play golf and, and go, go visit Rhode Island if you're not from Rhode Island. So appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks, sir joining the Encourse podcast, a New England Golf Journal podcast. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks to Joe McDonald for joining us and talking about Rhode Island golf, what's going on in the golf scene, and, and sharing some great stories from his from his past as a, as a writer, golf, a hockey writer. Let's get to our golf course confidential for this week. We're going to stay in Rhode Island, and we're going to talk about a place that Jim, neither of us have played, but we've walked, and I kind of personally really liked it, and I think it it deserves a little bit of attention. Triggs. Triggs. I haven't played it. I've actually been to a local amateur Challenge Cup tournament. Yep. Love it. Love uh, They've brought it back. A lot of of tender loving care has been put into the place, and it kind of has a very passionate, loyal following. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just got a really good feel when you walk in. The clubhouse is kind of old. There's a there's a bar that smells like it might is a bar. It's it's, it's got the it's been it's just, there a while. Yeah, it's been there a while. In the '90s, early '90s, it it was in pretty it was in disrepair, and it looks like they just they did they put a lot of money into it. It's really the only Donald Ross you can play in Rhode Island that's public. There's obviously, there's, there's some private spots, but it's the, it's the one Ross public that you can, that you can go play for 45 bucks to walk on a weekday and 52 on a weekend. It's a, it's a good, it's it's a good, good price to go walk golf. No, I mean, listen, up here we have George Wright. Yes. In Rhode Island. Triggs is, it might not have the, appeal of George Wright, which has gotten some national attention. Sure. No Laying Up Boys did a great job with it. They did. Has had state tournaments. But, you know, Triggs is, Triggs doesn't have to take a backseat. No. Nope. I mean, it, it's got a lot, It the bones, it's got great bones. Yeah. It almost feels, <clears throat> mentioning George Wright, it's like a 
combination of George Wright and Franklin Park. Correct. Right? It's like a little, it's open. You got some space. You can kind of stand in one spot and see a lot of the golf course. But there's also some kind of severe elevation and you're and yeah. it's kind of routed nicely through some through some challenging spots. It's golf.com gave it a it's one of the top 14 best munis you can play in the United States. That was from a few years ago. That's they impressive. have that on their website. So, it's definitely a good a good spot. I I went and walked it during the US Challenge Cup match play this April. I'd never been to it, had really no idea what to expect and yeah, it just has that old old school feel like the first hole goes out and you kind of you come back and the ninth hole is right next to the first tee box yeah. and then you kind of walk across and you play the other side of the property it, it's it's a tough it's a tough golf course it's 6500 yards but it's the best juniors in 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 new england were there and i think ryan downs shot even par i think to get the top seed mm-hmm. in that match play so it's a it's a good test it's it's an easy enough drive from from the southern part of, of Massachusetts, if you live in Mass, you can get to it from Connecticut. You can get to it if you're in Rhode Island. It's in Providence. I would recommend people go and check out Triggs. I am looking forward to picking a day and going down and Good. crossing a border and, and playing it. So Triggs Memorial, make sure to go check that out. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of it. That's all I've got on Triggs, but I just wanted to give it a good shout out. Thanks for listening to the Encore's podcast presented by New England Golf Journal. Please rate view and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform we are on youtube so make sure to check that out as well thanks to dave yaz for producing the podcast the encore's podcast is a siemens media production